It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Friday, friends. We made it to the end of the week and the final morning footy show of 2023. We will see you all in the new year, so let's make it a good two hours here uh, to kick off a long weekend. Ooh. Celebrations. <laughs> Needed. Yeah. All right. It's a blur. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> We're in that weird in-between right now where it was like Christmas and New Year's, everything just kind of runs together. So uh, thanks for waking up with us. If uh, you didn't know what day it was, happy to share that information with you <laughs> <laughs> alongside yeah. Alexis Guerreros, uh, Michael LaHood, Christine Kupo. I'm Allie Trost-Martin. I apologize, but we do have to talk about the games yesterday. Don't get too excited. Yeah, because I'm trying to stay warm right. in the studio. West Ham, yeah. beat, it gets cold West Ham beat Man United uh, this last week as well. Let's not forget that. <laughs> even though recency um, <laughs> will uh, unfortunately lean in in your favor here but some big results yesterday just two matches uh, in the Premier League and Tottenham losing 4-2 to Brighton that was a frustrating match about that if you were show. a Tottenham fan we'll get to that yeah. one next oh, we'll get to that yeah, we're gonna start with Arsenal losing at home where they had been undefeated this season to West Ham United and Alexis the timing of how this match played out was really unfortunate because we were literally talking on the show yesterday about how Arsenal desperately need a a better option at the nine, a true goal scorer, someone that can just give this team that edge in the attacking third. And man, were they missing it yesterday. 30 shots, zero goals. Are you worried right now? Um, okay, look, I'm, a, I'm an eternal optimist uh, when I it like comes to football. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very interested in, in tactics and, and XG and all that as we've covered on the show. So if I were to look at this if I were to look at this match and say what we, what Arteta tried to get this this squad to do, they did except one thing, which was finish, and it just continues to be something that just it's 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 this dark cloud over this front three. Martinelli is having a way off season. We have to start talking about the bad form he seems to be in. Yes, he has two goals and two assists, but he is not the player that we saw last year at the moment. I think it's a confidence thing. He's playing a little bit tentative. I use the term scared in a group chat, and that sent the whole group chat into a tizzy, so I'm not going to use the word scared, but tentative is a term I want to use. He doesn't seem to be attacking defenders the same, or at least with the same vigor he was last season. Bukayo Saka is getting doubled everywhere he goes. There's two defenders. The guy can't go to the bathroom without two defenders behind him. <laughs> Which was to be expected, right? I mean, he was tearing up defenders and wingbacks across the league, cutting inside, and, and just putting fear in other teams. Like, right. you have to prepare for that. But it's he's, been well-documented what he's able to do. He's still being influential in the game. He's still mm -hmm. getting his shots off. He's still finding ways to connect with other players. The one glaring issue for me is Jesus. 
I think Jesus is an incredible footballer. I think he is one of the most skilled players in the league. There seems to be an issue with him when it comes to finishing. I, I know Charlie is not a fan of what Mikel Arteta said when he said we expect scoring to happen across a committee. We, we don't want a just out and out, you know, sort of center forward. Supposedly, this is what he said. Uh, we don't want just a center forward, someone where all the goals are expected to come from. We expect all of our players to, to tune in with goals. And you could see it happening as the way it's sort of playing out. But you're still the number nine. Yeah. I still yeah. need you to turn and shoot and score. Find a way to score. 30 shots, eight shots on goal, to six shots total for the other team. The possession is way off, is in favor of Arsenal. The XG is wildly in, in favor of Arsenal. And yet you, find, you can't find a way to score. This is a complete failure. Yeah, five I think, big chance to. Well, Christine, Manu fans speak well, last. I'll wait, I'll Christine. Wait yeah. <laughs> I love that. I'm, out, I'm outnumbered today, man. How long, how long do we have left on the Sunday? Yeah, I'm, I'm outnumbered where, today. Where are your concerns at the moment? No, I, I understand Arteta's process, right? And, and Alexis obviously does too. I think the thing that you can account for is you don't expect all of your capable shooters to all be slumping at the same time. It's mm -hmm. almost uh, remarkable. With their, their, their goalkeeper having one of the most insane matches I've ever seen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which um, had been another concern. That ball was point. out. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the most in. Uh, thank you for saying that. That was the most in call I've ever seen. Oh, this guy. <laughs> all right. Well, do we have the, the footage? Let's, let's roll it. Uh, this is. Lahoud, I'll let you jump in here on, uh, on not, the Not on Arsenal? Just this? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, so I'm dying to get it. I'm dying to get stuck in, but I'll start with this. Don't we this, have to go to commercial? This <laughs> is all about the tenants of VAR. And in this moment, it's about is it inconclusive evidence? Is it so clear? And it's about the camera angle. It's about not having the proper technology on the end line. And right there, the knee is blocking it. And Alexis, you had said that there is no doubt in your mind that that ball was out. Common sense would say so. Yes. But the VAR tenants and the laws say otherwise. And the referees, they went the easy way out. They went the safe way to make this call. And it's a tough call to make. Yeah, I will say, finish the statement I made, which is there is no inconclusive evidence. There is no conclusive evidence that this went out because of the angle. So you can't give this as gut-wrenching as it is for me to say as an Arsenal fan, as just someone who doesn't want to see VAR continue to be the thing we talk about after matches. Mm -hmm. I don't want to Because that's not why Arsenal lost the game. No, I'm it's sorry. not. It's like, it's that's, not. It, yes, is it unfortunate you, that that's what it comes down to yeah. as Chelsea's yeah. only goal in the game? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But West when you Ham. have West Ham, or West Ham yeah. I'm sorry, I don't know why. I just Getting said fired that. up about another I'm, one I'm just club. So yeah, 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 yeah. Right I, I get it. I, I do the same thing when United yeah. lose, so I get it. Um, but to have that many opportunities in the game, Christine, and not be able to score, that yeah. is what it comes down to. Yeah. That is the story. Poor performance, but I feel like the insult injury was just having to dice through yet another VAR call to figure out is it, isn't it? And if we don't have adequate angles to cover these things, why are we using it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. But All right, Michael, I'm, I'm going to get stuck in here because yeah, I've been patient. It. And uh, this, this is what happens when Arsenal lose. There's always the a paper VAR he call. has just says, Cook Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know that before well, you speak. I'm putting my bib on right now because <laughs> yeah. I've been patient. I wanted to give the, the forum to Arsenal fans. But the VAR call, yes, it's another VAR call that doesn't go Arsenal's way. We've seen it. I don't think this is as harsh as the Newcastle one. That mm -hmm. was heinous. I was even upset seeing that. Facts. I said it on scoreline that it was a Disgrace of a call. Disgrace. Another disgraceful moment in the Premier League this season. And a plethora of disgraceful moments in VAR calls. But this came down to how badly did Arsenal want it? West Ham, they wanted it more. When you look at defensive actions, the 30 shots, it's because West Ham, they came to defend. They knew that they were going to, in a proper football match, they had no chance. The goalkeeper... 
Alphonse Areola plays out of his mind, but a player, two players, uh, three actually, that I want to give shine to, Edson Alvarez was the best player mm-hmm. on the field for West Ham. And when you look at block shots, block crosses, five block crosses alone covered every piece of light on the grass. This was supposed mm-hmm. to be about Declan Rice. He got outdone by the better defensive midfielder in Edson Alvarez, and that is why West Ham won. Mohamed Kudus would pick up the ball and dribble by Declan Rice like he wasn't even there. That is, it just creates a different dynamic that Arsenal did not account for. They thought West Ham was going to do what David Moyes' teams have done when they go to London, which is get the ball, hoove it, and then you get the ball again for Arsenal and dribble, ram it down their throat, tire West Ham out. I thought West Ham's game plan and a little bit of luck from the post that Bakayo Saka hit, you got to have fortune when you go to a difficult place to play. But I thought West Ham, they came with a better game plan, better mentality. It was going to be a smash and grab job 100%. And they did what they had to do and they got deserved three points. I think a lot of my frustration is just that because Arsenal knew they already did this a month ago in Carabao Cup and got worked over by this side. You know what you're going into with a Dave Moyes side. You already did this. And you would think that the lesson would have been taken to take heed and and figure out what you need to do to get this done. Because it wasn't even like they lost by a goal. They got absolutely smacked around. Okay, it was embarrassing. Fix it and go forward. And I feel like there's some weird memory inability for Arsenal to retain these things. It's like, hey, this was bad. Let's not do that again. And that was my greatest hope. But, of course, West Ham came in here, hey, we tasted blood last month. Let's do it again. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. The, only, the only shame is where's Nigel? Where's Nigel <laughs> yeah, Nigel, was, this, where, yeah. where Nigel you, was talking bro? a lot. Where are you right now, though? Smack were you even watching the game? Do you even watch the sport anymore? <laughs> where are you, Nigel? You know he's asleep right now because huh? those, yeah. uh, those yeah. texts that he was firing off are coming at the wee hours of the night. Uh, yeah. And, uh, that, yeah, we've, I don't uh, know, man. Maybe he's scared. Hey, Nigel. Maybe he's Nigel scared, Nigel. and that's why he's not here right now. He's so scared. He'll be back next week, and we, huh? can, uh, we can really lay into him then. All right, we will take a break here on Morning Footy. When we come back, Freddie Lomelli will join us for the day's top headlines. Stick around. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. into morning footy. Happy Friday. And uh, happy to have our friend Freddie Lomeli joining us, who's uh, rocking a nice kit with the uh, jacket over the top. Looking slick, my friend. Shout out to my Canadian. Shout out to Alexis, who put this on my radar today. This is the York United Pride kit. It also was for charity. So I love the fact that we're including everybody 
who wants to be a football fan, right? Amen to that. Amen to that. We have some great headlines for you today. We're going to start with some MLS news. Los Angeles FC is reportedly closing in on the signing of a World Cup winning goalkeeper to help fill a void in the net. According to multiple reports, LAFC is finalizing a deal to sign French World Cup winning goalkeeper Hugo Lloris from Tottenham. The 37-year-old has yet to make an appearance for Tottenham this season and has not played a competitive match since April. Lloris would join an LAFC team that is set to lose Canadian goalkeeper Maxime Crepo to free agency and passed on re-signing 2022 MLS Cup final hero John McCarthy. Let's move it on way over to South America, mi gente, Peru. You've officially named Jorge Fosati as a new Peruvian national team coach. The 71-year-old Uruguayan head coach is replacing Juan Reynoso, who was fired after leading Peru to a terrible last place start to World Cup qualifying. Fosati is fresh off leading Universitario to the Peruvian league title, the club's first title in nine years. But Peru's currently in the 10th place in Conmebol World Cup qualifying standings with just two points from six matches. Let's see if any of that changes. Meanwhile, in English Premier League news, West Ham delivered a dream performance yesterday in their impressive 2-0 win over Arsenal. But the victory did come with a cost. Brazilian playmaker Lucas Paqueta was forced out of the London Derby with what appeared to be a hamstring injury. Paqueta initially tried to shake it off. He suffered an injury in pregame warm-ups, chose to play, but he wound up blasting just 33 minutes before falling to the ground in pain and grabbing his left leg. West manager David Moyes confirmed after the match that Paqueta, quote, felt something in the back of his knee. Paqueta scheduled to undergo tests on his knee today, so we're going to keep you up posted on his status right here on the Golasso Network. Meanwhile, in Italy, Serie A has taken a major step toward ensuring that its teams don't take any part in any future attempts at joining a potential European Super League. The Italian Football Federation is requiring all Serie A clubs to sign a written commitment to not join any competitions not officially recognized by FIFA, UEFA, and the FIGC. The commitment will be required in order to secure their place in Serie A for the 2024-2025 season. They are not playing around. Juve, AC Milan, and Inter Milan were a part of the original Super League proposal, with two Milan clubs pulling out immediately. While Juventus, they did start the process for their exit in June 2023. However, only Inter has again publicly rejected the Super League this month, while La Vecchia Signora and Milan still have not issued any statements. Meanwhile, in Spain, Real Madrid has announced the re-signing of Carlo Ancelotti to a new contract that will keep him with the Spanish Giants through the 2025-2026 season. Great news for the Merengues. The new deal comes after months of speculation that the legendary Italian manager would leave Real Madrid to coach the Brazilian national team which is currently being led by interim coach and Fluminense boss Fernando Diniz. A potential Ancelotti move to Brazil was complicated even more by the removal of former Brazilian Football Federation president Ednaldo Rodriguez from office by a local Brazilian court. Why? Well, according to them, some voting irregularities in the Brazilian Federation's elections. FIFA is threatening to ban the Brazilian clubs and national teams from international competition if the Brazilian Federation replaces Rodriguez, who had been the official who promised Ancelotti would coach Brazil. A lot to unpack there, so let's get back to you, Ali. Thank you, Freddie. And uh, now joining us to talk more about this breaking story is our good friend Guillaume Balaguet, who we will just not let enjoy his vacation. Guillaume, thanks so much <laughs> for taking the time to join us. As Freddie just ran through, there's been a lot of back and forth about Ancelotti's future. Are you surprised by the timing of this announcement? Not fully surprised because uh, I think in the last few weeks we started hearing noise from Real Madrid saying 
do you know what? There is no real reason why we shouldn't renew Carlo Ancelotti. But this is Real Madrid. So the situation tends to be like this. You want to be at Real Madrid? Prove it. And of course, everybody knew that there was an offer from Brazil. So next, it was like, Ancelotti, what do you want to do? Uh, and Real Madrid have made uh, Ancelotti sweat a little bit from the moment that, uh, must have been two months ago, where Ancelotti said, I'll wait to the last minute for Real Madrid to put an offer on the table. Once they did that, it took no time for everything to be agreed uh, because you actually explained very well the context of the situation of the Brazilian national team and the federation, but also because it just feels right uh, that Ancelotti stays. The synergy is very, very good with both the veterans, if you like, and certainly the youngsters. And every time he's had a problem, something to solve, he's actually done it and solved it. This season, two or three major things he had to sort out. How do we do if Modric hasn't got the dynamism of the past and Cross is going to be our engine in the middle? Can he do it on his own? Well, let's put Valverde next to him. And he has work in those two holding midfielder roles. And how about if uh, Vinicius is not is injured? Well, should we just put Rodrigo in the middle? He worked. What do we do with uh, Jude Bellingham? Actually, he thought, should we put him closer to the box? And of course, it's been a success. So... There is no real reason, as Real Madrid said, for Real Madrid not to keep him. But they wanted to see uh, what Ancelotti really wanted to do to stay. And they've seen enough, and he's staying put. Uh, Guillaume, Ancelotti, by many, we really, me, wanted to see him at the helm for the Azzurri. Uh, and that Brazil plan seemed to really put a wrench in all of that. Do you think that now with this contract extension that that could potentially come to fruition post-2026 for the Italy side. And now we're entering in, in, the, in the realm of speculation a little bit because mm -hmm. what is clear is one thing. Ancelotti fits Real Madrid. And he fits him now. And let's see in 2026 because quite clearly you're talking about a club that requires a particular type of manager. And the list that could have replaced Ancelotti were... People that are certainly developing, like Xavi Alonso, like Raul, uh, like Roberto De Zerbi, but he suits Real Madrid. He did say that the club level, Real Madrid will be his last job. So in 2026, let's see where Italy is, let's see where Brazil is. I don't know. Let's see where Spain is or England. They may be looking for managers as well because he does, will be welcomed with open arms by either of those sides, obviously, at home. Uh, he will have a bigger reception, but he's the kind of manager that will suit any uh, group of players that requires somebody uh, that knows how to deal with egos, but has got also the ability to read the, the game very well and adapt it to whatever he's got in his hand. Uh, Guillaume, I look, this is incredible, obviously an incredible manager, 10 trophies at Real Madrid. It's absolutely unstoppable. I, look, there's a little, it's a weird timing, right? It feels a little early. But what I really want to ask you is, what do you think this means for the future of Real Madrid's signings? Because there's so many questions in the air. Mbappe, will it or won't it happen? Some other big names that are linked with Real Madrid. I'm sure a lot of players want to play for Carlo Ancelotti. How do you think this fares out? Let me tell you a little bit how it works at Real Madrid in terms of signings. Ancelotti has got a tiny role. The biggest role is Florentino Perez, who will decide on the strategic signings, either Mbappé or Haaland for next season, uh, Alfonso Davies maybe, 
Uh, and then Jose Angel Sanchez, the number two, who will actually put together alongside the manager what's required in particular places, no bigger names. Over 100 million, put it this way, it has to be Florentino Perez. Less than 100 million, then it will be everybody else. So uh, it, it does look like if, if Ancelotti gets tall, um, Ancelotti who dances like a like a dan- dad dance, doesn't he? I mean, he looks like the that inflatable that. thing in front of the car. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but, but anyway, he can do whatever he wants, including smoking cigars if he wants to. Everybody loves him. Anyway, if there is a strategic move like for Haaland or, or for Mbappé, he's not going to say no, is he? He's not going to say no. Uh, but he'll have to resolve on the pitch whatever players he gets into the squad. And, of course, Florentino Perez does want one of those big names. The rest, as I say, Ponsu Davis or everybody else they want to sign, that will be obviously uh, a bigger conversation with the manager. But the manager of Real Madrid, somebody, as I say, that... Um, do you know how to cook a paella? You put a little bit of the rice, a little bit of meat, and then you just move it a bit, and then just make sure that you come out with the paella right at the right time. That's what Ancelotti does. Just move things around, make sure everybody's happy, and then comes out with the perfect 11 at the right time. And makes makes sure, this is important as well, that those that don't play still feel important. He's done that all his career. And it seems like with the help of uh, Davide, his son, he had... Uh, a lot of work, physical work and tactical work to make the teams even more sophisticated. So that makes you works and uh, and Madrid won that to stay for longer. Somehow he always ends up with a lot of socarat. Hey, one thing we do know, Real Madrid, they're feasting tonight, a celebratory dinner after uh, this big news. Uh, So, Guillaume, thanks so much for taking the time to join us to talk uh, more about uh, Ancelotti's future with uh, Real Madrid and the contract extension. No problem. Happy New Year to all of you. Happy New Year as well. All right, uh, Ancelotti dance to break, everybody. (laughs) 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 All right, we will be back with more morning. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody, see you in a minute. (laughs) Rangers unbeaten in 15 games under new management. Tavernier ready to go for the hit. He might have a second go. Oh, wow. Phenomenal strike from the Rangers captain. This is... Oh, it's there for Rangers. Would you believe this? What a moment for Ross McCausland. His first goal. He's found Todd Cantwell back on his left. Oh, what a goal to finish off a glorious Rangers move. A rivalry that always delivers the 438th edition of the Old Firm Derby in the Scottish Premiership kicks off on Saturday. Celtic taking on Rangers 7.30 a.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network. Must-watch stuff and a game uh, that we are all so excited to tune into. And joining us now to talk more about it is uh, Rangers midfielder Todd Cantwell. Todd, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. And I'm just curious what a week leading up to the Old Firm Derby is like as a player. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to be on. Uh, yeah, no, we're looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's a week like no other. Um, obviously, it's a, a worldwide game, uh, well, worldwide known how big this game is. Um, and yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, Todd, I want to ask you a little bit about, um, the obviously, the experience of playing for a club 
as massive as Rangers. Uh, also, there's a lot of Americans that have played there, in particular uh, Malik Tillman, who you had a chance to play with. Um, talk a little bit about what it's like to play for a club as massive and, and obviously playing with an American. What was it like playing with uh, Malik? Anything you can uh, let some of the American fans know about? Yeah, no. Um, I mean, firstly, playing playing for a club this size is uh, you have great pressure and great responsibility. But I think if you're a young footballer and you, you're growing up, you want to play at the biggest stages, you want to play for the biggest team. So, you know, it's an honour to be able to play for Rangers and to be able to to play in games like this tomorrow. You know, it's something we're looking forward to for sure. Um, and yeah, the second part, I mean, Malik was um, a really good guy, really got on with him in the short time we had together. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty certain that the, the US fans will, will realise what a talent he is. Um, and I think he's got an incredibly bright future in football um, across Europe and, and hopefully for the USA as well. Todd, scoring in rivalry matches, there's nothing like it. But you've scored in the Old Firm Derby. Take us through what was that moment like for you and what would it mean to score in this version of the Old Firm? Yeah, no, it's amazing. Amazing feeling. Obviously, it was at home as well. So we had all of our home fans there with us. Um, yeah, it was it was a really important goal at the time. And, you know, it's a, it's a feeling like no other, really. Um, you can see the, what it means to the fans. You see the reaction. Um, and yeah, listen, you know, every game that we're playing at the moment is just as important. But there's no secret in saying that this is probably uh, the biggest game, biggest game around these areas for, for the season, for sure. Todd, now this is going to be your third big derby. Um, do you have any particular ritual that you use for bigger games that kind of helps to get you going? Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's pretty known that footballers have their their little ways and their little things that they like to do. I'm sure other professional athletes do it as well. For me personally, I try to kind of um, just keep calm, just enjoy some good music. Um, get some Chris Brown on, get some music on, just chill out, you know, just enjoy myself, lead up to the game just like I would if I was a child, um, you know, just go out there and try and enjoy myself. That's the way I look at football. I think it's the best way to be, to be honest. Do you have a current song on, on repeat? Um, I do. I do have uh, a bit of a playlist that I like to go through. Yeah. Um, Blue Notes by Meek Mill is kind of on repeat quite a bit at the moment. Uh, getting me a bit hyped up for this one. Damn, I got to follow your playlist. I have the same taste. I did not expect Meek Mill. That's yeah, kind of fun. Hold up, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was finished. Hey, hopefully, maybe for Rangers it'll be dreams and for Celtic it'll be nightmares. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's the plan. Well, and, and right now you guys sit five points behind Celtic in the table. I mean, how much extra spice does that add to an already uh, very heated derby? Yeah, um, I don't think it needs any extra spice uh, to ever play against to play against them. But listen, you're right. It is um, we're five points with two games in hand. So listen, two games in hand are only in hand if you win them. So it's important that we we play against them and we look at them as you know it's the most important one to play against them and try and win. Um, that is the aim. And like we say, you know the games we have in hand on them at the moment won't mean anything if if we go there and we we don't get the result we want. Uh, Todd, I want to talk to you a little bit about I remember one of the first things I noticed when I watched you at Norwich. I'm like, yo, this kid could ball. But then after you scored, I'm like, wait a minute, this kid's got dance moves. <laughs> I'm like, yo, yo, your hips don't lie, my G. Talk to me a little bit about, about the goal celebrations. Is this pre-thought? Do you get a lot of stick for being a little bit of a dancer? Talk to me a little about that because you got moves. 
Yeah, no, I think I think the culture over here is probably a lot different to it is in the US. I know in the US it's all about expression and kind of, you know, just living in the moment, being free, feeling feeling like you you can be yourself at every moment. Here it uh, builds a little bit more media um, coverage, which for me, honestly, I don't care. You know, I play football, I enjoy it. I dedicated my whole life to become a professional footballer. So if I'm on the big stage and I'm scoring goals, I'm going to enjoy it. Todd, let's talk European football. Rangers topped Group C of the Europa League in a tough group that had Real Betis. You guys went to Betis, got the job done in dramatic and emphatic fashion. What's it been like for you guys as a group now to carry that confidence, or what sort of confidence has that given Rangers, knowing that you have big games starting with one today? Yeah, it's it's massive confidence because, you know, Real Betis are a top team in Spain. Um, you know, Rangers, we, we obviously, we play in the Scottish League and when we get the chance to play in Europe against, you know, the, the top teams, it's really important that we show that we're good enough and, and beyond good enough to achieve good things in, in Europe. So, you know, the Europa League is a very good um, competition, which is something that obviously for the fans as well, it's something we really want to take seriously and, and try and see how far we can go. The club have been close before and, you know, we're, uh, we're optimistic and, and hopeful that we can maybe try and try and go one further than we did before. Um, I, I, Todd, we were, you know, like I told you before the interview in our research, seeing a lot of uh, NBA, New York Jets, NFL, other American sports that were uh, definitely on your radar that you uh, like to enjoy. So tell us how you got into uh, some of the uh, big American sports and uh, if you've got a favorite team. Uh, we know you like repping the Jets. Yeah, yeah. So to be honest, I, I got into basketball probably around four or five years ago. Just started watching watching some highlights. Obviously, over in the UK, the the timing um, to watch a game would mean that you wouldn't get much sleep. So I ended up watching highlights. But I fell in love with Damian Lillard as a as a player. Um, so I started following the Trailblazers around. And then obviously now he's gone with the Bucks. So I think I'll follow Damian until uh, until I, I find someone else that I like to follow. Yeah, I mean, go to Milwaukee. You might regret that decision. Uh, <laughs> Milwaukee's a great town. <laughs> Milwaukee's a great town. I've had fun there. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about just uh, the difference between the leagues in Scotland and in England. That's a conversation that gets had a lot. Uh, what's some of your experience, and how would you how would you explain it to someone who maybe doesn't know the sport too well? Yeah, I think there is a difference. So I'd be lying to you if I said there wasn't. Um, I think obviously naturally it goes without saying there's a lot of money um, and a lot more coverage in England than there is in Scotland. Um, but you could also argue that there isn't bigger teams than than Rangers and Celtic in England. So it's a, it's a little bit of a different dynamic. It's You've got two absolute giants, um, you know, sat in a league. And then you've got, in England, you've got a lot of very big sort of stable teams. Um, and obviously the Premier League have their giants as well. So... No, I think I think if I'm being completely honest, I think it is different. But the Scottish League um, and the game like we're going to have tomorrow, I'm sure if anyone tunes in, you won't see many games like that in England. That's a, I think that's a great way to explain it. And, and, and obviously everyone knows how big the old firm is. Real quick, what's it like when Rangers win an old firm? What's the one thing you get for free? Is it food? Do you get, <laughs> you know, is it beer? What's the, what's the one thing that you're like? On the Rangers, <laughs> Rangers win the old one firm? Day, a one day deal. Because I want to sure. know if I'm going to party with you or not. Yeah. Uh, like, what's, what's the best yeah. privilege of winning? I think up here, it's a must. It's a must. It's um. It's part of playing for Rangers. It's an expectation. So winning isn't necessarily celebrated the way that you would expect. However, if at the end of the season, 
we're on top of the tree for the league, you definitely want to be with us for that celebration, that's for sure. All right. Hey, remember my face. Hey, we'll be flying. Let's go for that one. We'll bring in some autographed Jets jerseys. Speaking of winning, you guys have already won some silverware in the Scottish League Cup. You played attacking mid in that that match, and you had a good performance. How did you experience just the celebrations in that? What was that like winning a trophy in a new country? Yeah, honestly, it means so much to the people here. It means so much. Um, they absolutely idolize the game. They love Rangers so much. It's it's not people's hobby to support Rangers. It's their life. Um, and for me, personally, that's such an honor to play and to make people happy. You know, as you can see the photos there of us winning a trophy, it meant so much to people. And it's so important that as players, we recognize how much it means to play for such a club like this. Um, and all we can do every time we play is is give 100% and, and they'll love and respect us for that, for sure. Yeah, Todd, one last question for me. Has anyone ever told you you look like Harry Styles or no, no? Whoa! <laughs> you know what? You're, not, you're not the first person to okay, say it. Okay, because I, I did a double take when yeah. we came on. I was like, is that his Why is Harry here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'll take it as a compliment. Oh, I, I definitely. Yeah. yeah well, I, I think he yeah. shaved his head, so at the moment you definitely have better hair than Harry Styles, so you can hang your hat on that. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to put that just in his bio. <laughs> I think you have much greater accolades than just that, but just know the, hair, the flow game is, is good. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Hey, Todd, best of luck this weekend. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. It's been fun chatting with you. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good weekend. All right. There is Todd Cantwell, a midfielder for Rangers. Big matchup this weekend. Old Fern Darby, one of the most historic and best rivalries in the sport, taking on Celtic 7.30 a.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network. We will take a quick break. When we come back, we've got more morning footy coming up your way on the other side. World class from our seamen. From the Dell. Wrong-footed. It is certainly game on at the San Siro. Mario Rui now for Osime. But it's that old combination from last season. And now Takanyi. It's a real golf mouth scramble. And Genduzi does bundle it home. Shalanolu. Pisek. This time it's in. Still with Takanyi. And then on the rebound. Marella, Arnautovic, back to Nicolò Marella, it's beautiful, it's sublime, good run, with a cutback as well, Osimhen, still Osimhen, great desire, Baratenia! A big weekend in Syria. The action kicks off today at 12.30 p.m. Eastern when 5th place Fiorentina hosts 10th place Torino. You've also got Napoli taking on AC Monza. But for Napoli, no Victor Osimhen and no Matteo Politano. On Saturday, Udinese taking on Bologna. 4th place Bologna trying to push their way up the table. And the big matchup closing out the action on Saturday. Juventus in 2nd place taking on Roma in 6th. So a lot of action to look forward to. And we've got you covered here on Paramount+. Plus and the Galazzo Network, CBS Sports Network. You can watch all of the footy. And Christine, for Napoli, that uh, top four is looking further and further away. And bad news for them, not having Victor Osiman, who was suspended for this match, but is already preparing for AFCON at the moment. So he can miss up to, what, four or five yeah, games Yeah, I mean, that Napoli. was already That's... anticipated. So, right. I mean, you One have extra last game. season's yeah. highest goal scorer and massive contributor for your side. 
And, you know, you're, you're put at a distinct disadvantage. Uh, I, I don't know, especially coming off that they got bounced by Frosinone from Coppa Italia, that embarrassing loss to Roma um, is too recent. Uh, it, it hasn't been going well, to yeah. say the least. Which, it's been an up-and-down season. Yeah, so. I, and I think the messaging that we're getting out of Mazzari doesn't sound very much like he's taking accountability. It's mm. very like, yeah. W- w- even uh, the statement he had made recently about the January transfer window, because obviously they're going to be offloading Elmas, which will free up some liquid funds, but said, you know, we're not going to be doing much in January because you shouldn't be doing much in January because you can't do much in January. <laughs> so I just got confused. Who's on first? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how uh, how advantageous his attitude is going to be or what he's actually like in his discussions with ADL because ADL already flat out came out and said, like, Rudy Garcia was a bad hire from day uno. And I don't know what that appetite looks like for um, essentially what now is continuing to be, like, a very shaky and Mazzari didn't seem to be the number one candidate, first off, for Napoli, or two, the long-term plan. So what should, Michael, the expectations even be for Napoli this season, given that another coaching change is probably likely to come at some point unless Mazzari is able to just take this team on a run? I've always said that given the chaos surrounding this club, from the start of the season, it was always going to be difficult to replicate any version of what they did last year. That was just a, a shot in the dark, and, and one of those things that is one of the miracles of football. We Not to, to the extent that Leicester City won in the Premier League, but it was one of those special stories. But going into this year, I think getting Champions League football would be like winning the league all over again for them. And I also think it's an outside shot because they're woeful at home. As I said a couple weeks ago, teams do not fear playing them. You look at some of the bad losses they've taken in Serie A, it's been at home. And you don't have the same confidence. You don't have the same togetherness. You had that sort of infighting between manager and Victor Osimhen. Players didn't want to play for Garcia. Okay, you get him out. You get a new manager in. And that believability of can we still be that invincible side in southern Italy, I think that's vanishing. Right. I think this, this too, Osman's absence uh, is, going, is exposing a lot of their lack of depth because now you have the options of either switching up your tactics entirely because you're, you, can, you can't field uh, Raspadori and Gio Simeone together because then you have nobody on the bench to swap. Like, what are the options? They're very limited. So now it's less a question of... Um, who is playing, and it's who's starting and who's on the bench. Well, question for you. Yeah. Between the two of Simeone and Raspadori, who would you give the nod to in a match like this? Here's the thing is, because, and this is the inverse of what Alexis talked about with Arsenal, where they expect all the goal scoring to come from everyone, you rely so much on Osimhen and Cavada that when you remove one from the equation, mm-hmm. um, you get a Gio Simeone and Raspadori who haven't had very many minutes. I think that I love Gio Simeone, um, he just hasn't been able to convert because he hasn't had the minutes he needs. But they've already they've been struggling even with those guys. They've right. conceded six goals in the last two matches across all competitions and have scored zero. So what do you even see as being a, a realistic expectation for them going into this matchup, given that they're not going to have one of their main goal scorers and someone that they rely heavily on for even giving them a chance to win games. Yeah, and I have to piggyback on what uh, Mike has talked about already, which is at the point you are in this season right now, look, you win this game, you get a lot closer to a European spot. 
you have to look at getting in Champions League mm-hmm. as your ultimate goal. Obviously, you want to play for the league. If things open up, if Inter and, and Juve start to slip, and there's a chance, I, do, I doubt it's going to happen. Gonna happen. Yeah. But if there's a chance, yeah. then you yeah. got to go for it. I don't want the fans to be like, we always want to win the league. <laughs> Realistically, uh, yeah. I think... I think third place would be a realistic goal if they're looking. Because mm. at this point, to me, like you look at Inter on 44 points, you look at Juve on 40 points. I mean, Napoli are sitting on 27 and don't really show any signs unless they were to maybe make a move in January of finding more consistency. And that right. has really been their that, Achilles. And if you're a Napoli season. fan, you want to see what players. I mean, Politano being out as well is going to be a huge. Yeah, yeah that's. Um, and we haven't talked about that. But I do want to see Cavara sort of get back into the form that he had in the previous season and also can he take this can he take this club on his back can he do that That's, in, in I a mean, stretch? I mean, he has, essentially. Yes, but this is a stretch. This but is a this big is a different stretch. season. That, this is, like, literally two different worlds from yeah. the Scudetto to now. But that's that's the doubt I have in a player like Cavada I don't think he has that sort of presence, that sort of, let me put my chest out there. I think he, he's a phenomenal footballer. He does it for his international. He does, but though. Like, for I, this Napoli side, I, I do question that this does. season. I I think that he's just quiet about it. He's mm-hmm. not your, like, loud, like, look-at-me guy. He's, he's playing um, in Italy. He's you, commanding. You any of that? Yeah. <laughs> he's commanding, but he's more of like a quiet lead in there. Hmm. I, I think for a match like this, it's ultimately when things are not going your way offensively, when, yeah, you take the Cagliari game aside, they had struggled to score goals. You take the Madrid game aside in Champions League as well. And for a Napoli side against Monza, it is going to come down to pressing. Monza mm-hmm. against Milan, their first goal, their goalkeeper, their back line, they tried to opt to play out of the back. And I think when your confidence is up and down, mm. defensive actions is a good way to get yourself back in. So press this Monza side early, get that early goal, and that breeds confidence back in your side. That's well said, especially with how much Napoli has been conceding in their last couple of games. Stabilize the defense and hope that the goals come in some way, shape, or form. Let's move over to another big game, Juve taking on Roma Saturday. 2 p.m. Eastern, and man, this Juve side have been excellent, but it's been unfortunate because right now they're trying to keep pace with Inter, who have been even better. So it's really a two-horse race at the moment between these two sides. Christine, how do you see this one playing out with Juve at home and Roma with just one win in their last four Serie A matches? Juve should have this. Uh, if if this goes sideways, it's all it's it's Juve's match to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a smattering of injuries and absences for Roma that are questionable. Dybala took a knock on December 10th, I think it was, um, was questionable with his thigh. I don't know. I anticipate probably seeing him come off the bench uh, for maybe at least a, a 10 pack of minutes. Um, I just. Mourinho, master of the dark arts, God bless him. But I think the the focus right now of this match is a lot of people are looking at that Lukaku-Vlavic matchup Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they've been entangled now for seasons in just like transfer market gossip and um, who's better. And it's funny because if you look at them side by side, they're they're very, very comparable um, in terms Mm -hmm. of just like goal scored, skill set and things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, I think I think Juve should should they've been doing great, especially at home. So mm-hmm. at Allianz, um, there's no question for me. I think um, Zabala still gets a pretty warm reception there, despite the way that things unfurled there. Alexis, do you yeah. match Christine's confidence? With yeah, Juve? I do think I think Juve will win this. Uh, the only thing that gives me any pause is how lethal can uh, Roma be with their counter. That's really it. And, you know, look, Mourinho's going to have a plan. He always does. Mm-hmm. Defensively, they're going to be stout. I just think there's so much more talent on Juventus' side that even if, even if Lukaku shows up and is on form, and you, I'm sure he will be playing in the stadium, I still feel like there's just too much talent mm-hmm. on the Juventus' side 
to really counter. I, I think of when you look at Juve and that back three and Romelu Lukaku's profile, when he plays against defenders who can match him physically, and I think that back three, a Bremer. Gleason Bremer, yeah. Bremer, yeah. that is the key who to just this game. Who an extension. Bremer's yeah. going to be feeling good. good. He's going to get that Jeep key, put it out. Not a priest, as I suggested. <laughs> put the Jeep key on the table. Put the contract on the table. Yeah. When you sign a new deal, you feel like two million bucks, double the million, two million bucks. He is the key. If he strolls in and if he matches Lukaku, that wipes Roma's chances clean. Mm-hmm. He already, it's funny because he already spoke specifically about this because mm-hmm. Of course, that's the top of mind question is, you know, how are you planning on handling Lukaku? And he said, you know, when you're dealing with a striker like that, that's very physical. And I'm like, it's your physical match, right? When you're a defender, you kind of want to hope for the big boys who aren't quite as nimble. But he surprisingly moves very gracefully for, for the size of Lukaku that he needs to make sure that, you know, he locks that down in the but, back line. But we mentioned the counterattack opportunities against Napoli. We saw a different side of Lukaku's game, his ability not to just hold up the ball, but make that half yard of space, and then make the executing the pass, the deft touch. Roma Lukaku's become a better passer for Roma in the last month. And if he can draw and command the attention that he's going to command for Roma, it's now what other players are going to run through. Eduardo Bove, what a chance it could be for him. This Juve side, apart from Weston McKinney, I kind of questioned some of the back pressing from midfield there. Weston McKinney is important to that, and McKinney, Juve are Wea good is collapsing. But pace on that flank. I think runs out of midfield from an Eduardo Bove, that could be the mm-hmm. key chance that Roma have. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I think that, uh, yeah, Juve should easily have this, though, all in. I, I don't, I mean, Roma are going to be, are without Smalling. They're without uh, Renato Sanchez, maybe without Dybala. Um, Too many key misses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. They're not full steam. And I think that Mourinho knows that, and he's a little bit worried about it as well. And they really it. like depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, they're a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> well said. That, that's what we always rely on Alexis for. Those you know, Lukaku also has to like, get this in now because like, eventually that loan's going to run out. He's going to have to convert unless he wants to get mm. shipped back to Chelsea. Yeah, a lot of uh, motivation for him in this game. And then you've also got uh, Genoa taking on Inter. I think the expectation would be that Inter is going to continue to do what they have done all season long and just add another three points, make it even harder, harder for Juve, despite uh, the excellent season they're well, having. Inter to... facing Genoa, that's going to be a game yeah. in hand. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Ooh, confidence. Jeez, Shots fired by Christine hey. on the desk. They're built for hey. Champions Christine. League. They just are they, deep. Lupo enters the cucina. <laughs> She's cooking. All right, well, we will take a break here on Morning Footy. When we come back, guess what? Jeff Shreves is back in the building. Yeah. Yeah. He'll join us to talk more of the weekend's Premier League action after this break. 